Good morning. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, as we turn in there, I want to make a, a quick something while I'm thinking about it. I forgot to mention this in the announcements, but this, this evening at 3 o'clock, we are having a meeting to plan, a planning meeting to get everything arranged and prepared for our holiday meal. And so if you can help with that, we would love for you to be here with us. We're going to be having a holiday meal on the first Sunday in December. I think that's the 5th. I may be off a little, but that's it, the 5th. And so um, we had one meeting already, and you can never have too many helpers. So if you can come and be part of that, um, I know that the ladies that are primarily over it would be thankful. We're going to need to be setting up and everything the week before. So please, if you can, help us with that. Well, good to see you this morning, I want to read to you something from the Word of God this morning. It comes from the book of 1 Corinthians. It is in chapter 12, and it is concerning something that I think sometimes we may have exactly what he warns us. We've forgotten, and we are not aware. We are ignorant to the fact that God gave us each a spiritual endowment, a gift to use to serve him with, that is very important in a believer's life because that gift he gave you has a lot to do with where he places you within the body of Christ to use you and for fulfillment in being who you are in Christ. It is very important that you not only be where he wants you to be within the church, but that you're serving in the capacity that he gifted you to serve. And I want you to look at what he says. The first thing he's telling the Corinthian church, we're going to read a few verses, pray right quick, and we're going to dig in. Look at what he says in verse 1. If you don't know the answer to this, this could concern you if you're a Christian. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. And he says, brethren, he's saying brothers and sisters in Christ, everyone who's saved, spirit-filled, born again, washed in the blood, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. Some translation says, I do not want you to be unaware. If you are unaware of your spiritual gift, you're ignorant of that gift that came from God directly given to you. Because the Bible says that he who descended from heaven, we seen that last week, Jesus Christ also ascended back to heaven. And when he ascended back, he gave gifts to men. And we have all, by grace, been given a spiritual gift that we are to use to be able to serve him. And look at what he goes on and says. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. That's false gods. However you were led. But therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice how much the Spirit's being mentioned here. And he says there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries. We all serve the Lord somewhere. We are to be a minister, but the same Lord. But we all do different things. But there are diversities of activities. Not everyone gets to do the same thing in the church. Everyone's got different activities that are part of your ministry responsibilities and you've been given a gift to do that with. That's what he's saying here. And he says, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, 
to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretations of tongues. But look at verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all of these, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. In this last verse we're going to read and we're going to pray. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. If that happened to you, you've been born again, you're saved. Whether you were a Jew or a Greek, that's a Jew or a Gentile, whether you were a slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body, the body of Christ, the church, is not one, but many members. But we're all one in the spirit with all of our different diversities of gifts. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray today that you would show people things that we have tend to forgotten and we don't really make a great emphasis of that I think is hurting us all as individual Christians and definitely as local bodies of Christ, the church. So, Lord, preach and teach today so that we might grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He says that first verse, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Why is he writing it at them? Because they were making a grave mistake of overemphasizing spiritual gifts. In particular, the gift of tongues. The whole chapter after this is chapter 13 reminding them that love is greater than any gift. And then chapter 14 is a whole chapter of correction. And guys, today, I think Baptists, because you are fearful because you hear tongues, and some churches today overemphasize the gift of tongues to a point that it's not of the Spirit. That's true. But today, I think Baptist churches are in particular guilty we may have not overemphasized, but we have de-emphasized. We have made and forgot that there is a gift that every one of you has if you're saved. That was given to you, and if you don't know that gift, our church, the body right here, that is the local body of believers that make up Bethany Baptist Church, can never be the healthy body that God put here. Because you're a part of this body, and you're not working under the power and in the place that God would want you to be. And friends, everything that God does is by the Spirit of God through the truth of His Word. And so Paul's telling them, I want to talk to you concerning these spiritual gifts that you be not ignorant, that you be aware that the Spirit has done this and that He's given us diversities of gifts. You know, the body of Christ, the church, is an expression of unity through an unbelievable example of diversity. We're all different. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are from all different, in, different races and all different places. And we all are females and males. But guys, listen, in Jesus, in the Spirit, we're all one. We're one body. But none of us are the same. And I'm thankful we're not the same. It would be boring if everyone was like me. And it would even be more boring if everyone was like you. So I'm thankful that God put us all together to be one, to be the body, the representation of Jesus, but he did it in a way that we all have different activities to do. We have all have different ministries to do, but we serve the one Lord, and we've all been given a gift so that we can be 
empowered to do those activities to accomplish that ministry by the one spirit for the one Lord and there's only one body. Can I get an amen? The body of Christ. And so God in his wisdom put us all together. I want you to look at what he says as you look at this. He says in verse 7, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one of us for the profit of all. Guys, listen. Every person in here this morning that does not know, that is ignorant, unaware of his spiritual gift is not profiting us, he is hurting us. Because you are crippling, you're handicapping God's body. I'm going to show you today. Look at this with me. It's so important, yet we tend to not want to look at it. He says, for one of us is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. The Spirit has given us all of that. One of us is given the word of knowledge. There's other gifts that he gives you down at the bottom we'll look at here in a minute. But I want you to focus on verse 11 with me. Look at what he says. But one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, works all these things distributing to each one of us individually as he wills. You don't get to pick your gift. You don't get to pick what ministry you want to do. You don't get to pick what activities you want to be part of in the church. And every church I've ever been to tells everybody, what do you want to do? Jesus chooses that. He's the head of the church. The head controls the body, amen? If you cut the head off, the body is useless. Can I get an amen? But Jesus also is handicapped when he's missing parts of the body. That's what Paul's using here as an illustration. I want you to look at what he says when you look down at verse 18. But now God has set the members, that's the, 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 the parts, the people, us. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. You don't get to be a preacher unless God calls you to be a preacher. You don't get to be a teacher unless God calls you and gifts you to be a teacher. Every teacher that is not called by God, he may do it, but he will not be fruitful. He will not be able to see God's blessing on his ministry and his activity. The Spirit of God gives us our gifts. Now, he doesn't have gifts that says you're going to be a committee member and you're going to be a nursery worker but he does give a gift called mercy which you will need if you're going to be a nursery worker amen and he does give a gift of administration that you're going to need if you want to serve on a committee but guys listen where we serve if we're going to bring glory to God and profit to one another we got to be where God placed us in the body not where we chose to be and I want you to think about this with me he talks about the body look back up at verse 12 for the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, and so also is Christ. If you was to go back to the book we looked at last week, Paul in particular uses the illustration of the church being the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. Listen to this real close. Listen to what he says. This is in chapter 1 of Ephesians Verse 22, if you want to look at this later, but he says, And he, God the Father, put all things under his Son, Jesus' feet. And he put all things, God the Father, put all things under the feet of Jesus, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and is all. So God made Jesus the head over the body and he 
put everything else under him. Now, this is the amazing thing that Paul says. Listen to this. It says, and where we looked last week, some of you that was here, this should jog your spiritual memory. If you're going to grow in Christ, you've got to be able to remember what you've been reading and what you've been studying. But listen what he says in Ephesians chapter 4. This should come back to you because we looked at it real good last week. He says, but speaking the truth in love, the truth of God's word in love, we may grow up in all things into him, Jesus, who is the head of the church. That's what he says. And listen what he says. From whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint must supply according to the effective working by which every part does its share and causes the growth of the body. Now, what knit it together? What it joins it together? God. And he joins the church and he puts it together and he makes the body into the kind of body he wants it to be. Now, how many of you has realized that you can't do anything you want with the body God gave you? I'm going to show you here in a minute. If we don't have the body that God wants here, we're never going to be champions for Christ. We're never going to compete in the great race of Christianity and bring glory to God and do what we can and have potential to do when we are handicapped and we don't have the body God puts here and wants here. So every person who is ignorant, who's unaware of his gift, who doesn't know what his ministry is, who doesn't know his place in the body, is causing the body to be handicapped. The head is perfect, but it doesn't well matter how good the head is if you got two crippled legs, if you're missing a foot, if the hand ain't where it's supposed to be. And that's exactly what Paul is reminding them. All of them thought speaking in tongues was the coolest, most spiritual thing you could do, so every one of them wanted to speak in tongues. But if every one of us spoke in tongues and that was all we did, we would never win anybody to Christ. We would never teach anybody the truth in love. We would never accomplish any service. We'd all be here babbling. And guys, I'm not one of those Baptist preachers that teaches that it's a ceased gift because that ain't what the Bible says. It's a misused gift. It's a misrepresented gift. But it's a spiritual gift just like any other gift we're going to look at. And friends, just like you can misuse tongues, you're just as much misusing your gift when you live your whole Christian life unaware and ignorant of what it is, never using it for your purpose and place in the body of Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not here to say if anybody that speaks in tongues is of the Spirit of God or not. But I'm here to tell you, if you're a Christian who's never operated and used the activities of your life to do ministry for the one Lord and the power of the Spirit for Him, in the gift that God gave you, you're just as bad as the most abuser of tongues because you're misrepresenting the gift of God. And I want you to look at what he says about the body. As followers of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our spiritual well-being depends on our connection with Christ through his body, the church. I want you to notice here, in, in Corinthians 12, this chapter the word body appears 18 times, meaning the church. As an illustration of how believers are to act together in unity with each other as an expression of Christ's representation on earth. I want you to listen to this. 18 times Paul illustrates the church as the body of Christ to show how the unity of us all together with all the diversities of our different gifts come together to perfectly represent Jesus on earth as the body of Christ under the lordship of him as our head. Listen to this. Christ's body, the church, is not merely an organization. 
It's a living organism because each one of us is filled with the life of God, the spirit of God. You can organize and put parts together and make a robot, but there's no life in a robot. We are not an organization. We are not a robot. We are the living body of Christ under the headship of Jesus himself, and he puts each one of us in place with the ability to do the activity of a hand or a foot or whatever place he puts you, just like a human body. That's what Paul's teaching us. And friends, listen to here. The body of Christ is designed by God for a specific purpose. It is assembled by God and put together for that same purpose, and then it is enabled and given the ability by God to accomplish that purpose. A church that's full of members who are immature to the point they don't grow to where they're not connected to the head till they know what they are. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that my foot knows it's a foot. I'm thankful that my hand knows it's a hand. I'm thankful that some of it don't do what I wish it would do or even what it used to do, but it still knows what its function is. But guys, there's a whole lot of people in the body of Christ today who has no idea what their function is. And the condition of the body is in direct whether or not we're going to do what he wants us to do. And friends, I want you to think about this with me. Have you ever thought about the body? You see, a spiritual gift is a God-given, God-empowered ability to serve him in ways that benefits one another in the church. We are different members, different parts, but we're all of that one body. Now, guys, I don't know if you realize this, but there's a lot of different kinds of bodies. I learned something this week. Did you know that there's basically three types of human bodies, Brother John? And Brother John, I want you to come up here with me. Would you come? And I want big man here. Come on up here with me. Now I want you to see, is there a difference in these bodies? No, no, I promise you. You stand right here. You stand right here. You may have not ever looked this up. I'm just weird, but when I found this, it fit into this. But in sports, the making, of dif the, making the difference between success and failure is having the right body type. You see, Jonathan probably doesn't have much success if he tries to be a WWF wrestler. But the vanilla gorilla here, I'd be your manager. We'd get rich because he's built for wrestling. Friends, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but there's three basic body types, and we're all a one or the other, or a combination. You can intermarry and breed and mix it up, but listen to this. There's an endomorph body. An endomorph body in its purest form typically has a short arms and legs and a large amount of mass on their frame. That's what most Baptists must be. They excel in power sports like weightlifting and wrestling. Then there's another type of body called the mesomorph. The mesomorph, their medium structure and height, along with their tendency to gain muscle and strength easily, make them a strong candidate for top athletes in any sport. But they have a great advantage in contact sports. Most football players are primarily this body type. If you want to be a professional football player, it don't matter how bad you want to be, if you were given the wrong body, the one I'm fixing to tell you, you're not going to succeed in the highest form of professional football. 
You've got to be one in millions to have the perfect body. But not only have the perfect body, to have grown up training that body, exercising that body, preparing that body to use every bit of its God-given ability to do what it can for that purpose. Same with him. Now, he might would make a good jockey. <laughs> but no matter how bad Jonathan wants to be a jockey, there ain't a thoroughbred made on earth that could carry him across the finish line first. So do y'all see what I'm getting at? What this body is in this building this morning has a lot to do with what we're going to accomplish for Jesus. No matter how bad we want to, no matter how good our motives are, if we're all crippled and handicapped and parts of us is missing and not functioning, we're not helping Jesus. We're just getting by. So thank y'all. Y'all can get down. Thank you, Brother John. The last body type is the ectomorph. It is long, slender, and thin, and therefore its power and strength sports are not suitable as their slight build leaves them susceptible to injuries. However, though, ectomorphs dominate in endurance sports like track and swimming. Most swimmers are long, lanky, with long arms and slim. They have a natural advantage in swimming. Now, guys, why are you telling me all of this? Because I want you to see what Paul says about the body of Christ. Look what he goes on and says when you look down in verse 14. For in fact, the body of Christ, the church, is not one member but many. And look what he says. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Of course not. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. It makes a lot more sense now how God put us here. He's got a perfect activity for you that will accomplish the ministry for him, and he'll give you the gift to empower you to do it. All done by the Spirit under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about this. Most of us may have never heard this. Well, hallelujah, it's time you've heard it so we can make it a use in our life. Look at what he says in verse 19. And if there were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weak are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these we bestow greater honor, and our presentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body. Look, God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. Now, guys, all of us here have parts that we keep covered up all the time. But you can't function without them parts. They are no less important than the parts we look at all the time. Now, ladies... How many of you spent a while this morning preparing the parts that's from here up to come to church? Now, men, how many of us prepared this morning? We didn't do as much as them because we're different. But friends, listen, every one of us is part of the body of Christ, just like every one of us has a foot. You know what? 
it takes a perfect specimen of a body type to be a quarterback for the NFL. He has to be a God-gifted person with a perfect body to accomplish what he does if he's going to compete at the level of NFL football, a quarterback. What's he need? The main thing he needs is an arm that can chunk a football better than anybody else. He also needs eyes to be able to read a defense, a mind, an understanding, to think. But he needs to be, some people have eyes that spot an open receiver. And he has to be able to have all that quick coordination. But guys, it doesn't matter how well a man has eyes to see to spot an open receiver, and it don't matter how good his arm is that he can hit him with every throw and chunk a perfect pass if his knee gets knocked out. If he breaks a knee, he's over with. And friends, it's the same way with a running back. He has legs that most people don't have. He can run like no one else can run. But you know what? He can break something else, a shoulder, and he's over with. A receiver has special hands that can catch a ball and eye coordination that can see it. Man, it's amazing to me what they can do. But it doesn't matter how wonderful their hands are if they break an ankle. They can't play. It doesn't matter how good the quarterback is if the rest of the team is of no good. You've got to have a good lineman. You've got to have a good running back. You've got to have everybody who have different activities, different purposes, but they all make up that one team. That's how God made the church. And everybody in here has something that God specifically gave each one of us to do that makes his body where it's not handicapped. Now I want you to think about this. Here's Jesus up there, but some of us is a foot. But you ain't willing to be a foot. How's Jesus going to walk? How's Jesus going to lead his church? Some of us are the hands that need to reach out and touch people and serve people and, and do the work of ministry, but some of us may not be willing to do that. Friends, I don't know about you, but when I look at this, I begin to see quickly how important it is to know your place and your call to make the body of Christ what he made it out to be. Look at what he says in verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. And he gives us another list of the ones he put. He gave us the apostles first, second, prophets, third, teachers, and after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, gifts of helps, gifts of administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, or all prophets, or all teachers, or all workers of miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpretate? But look at what he says. But earnestly desire the best gifts. The first thing he says in chapter 12 is concerning spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unaware. The last thing he says in this chapter is earnestly seek the best gifts. It's not only Paul who teaches this. Listen what Peter says about it. This comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Listen to what he says. As each one of us has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold Christ. If anyone speaks, let him speak as if the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, 
Let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That's what he's talking about. We each have a gift. And friends, listen, I know a lot of us probably are thinking, how in the world do you ever know what your gift is? You're never going to know your gift is if you sit on the pew. If you're just sitting out there, you're never going to find your gift. So let me help you out. I can promise you that pew sitting is not a spiritual gift. It ain't. Pew sitting is not a spiritual gift. So how do you find it? You get up and you say, Lord, put me to work. Show me what my gift is. Let me find something to do. Do nothing Christians, handicap the church. And friends, listen, I'm reading it right from the word of God just like you. I wonder why we haven't tried to figure out a better way, but a lot of churches have. I want you to think about this. Just if there's three types of bodies, there's three types of spiritual gifts, primarily if you break it down. I'm going to give you a place where you can go online and you can take a spiritual gift test. I would ask you to use the one I'm going to give you. It's by Dr. Elmer Towns. He's a professor at Liberty Baptist Seminary. And I've done a bunch of them. I've tried them all. But this one here, if we all use the same one, we'll all be, and I'm telling you, this was a good one. It's accurate. I believe it is a good way of doing but it's not going to tell you what your gift is. It's going to show you where your possible gifts are based on the truth that you share. That's it right there. Elmer Town Spiritual Gifts Test. That's a starting place. That's a starting place. And I took it yesterday, and it's amazing how it can accurately show you things that you can look back and say, that is definitely what God gave me the ability to do. But I want you to think about this. The three types of spiritual gifts, there's three main ones. The miracle gifts, that's the sign gifts. Some people believe that the miracle gifts are not active in the church like they was in the biblical days. I don't know for sure you can find that in the Bible, but they definitely are not active when you look around. <laughs> but the, the, the miracle gifts are the gift of speaking in tongues and the gift of interpreting tongues. And if you read this study, you'll see that Paul says, do not speak in tongues in the church unless you have someone in the church with the gift to interpret it. I've been in a lot of churches where people spoke in tongues. I've only been in one where a person interpreted what that other person supposedly said. And of all times when I heard it, it was when I had the most conservative Baptist sitting next to me, Jeremy. And we was in Jody's church, which was a Pentecostal church. And a little lady stood up and spoke in tongues during the service when Grayson was um, dedicated our grandson, Jody's son. And that little lady spoke in tongues. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this is going to be good. And I'm looking at Jeremy. Because he doesn't believe tongues is a working gift. But then after she said it, another man stood up and he interpreted. <laughs> and he said, God has spoken. He said, to my forsaken children. And he went on with this big interpretation. And I said, man, that's the first time I ever heard anybody interpret it. So we got lunch and we sitting around. Jeremy said, I got news for that man that interpret that. I ain't God's forsaken child. I'm saved by the grace of God. And he's saying all this. And then his Bubby's saying, what were they doing? What was that? And I'm going to be honest. Most of the time, the sign gifts can confuse people more than it can help people. But I'm here to tell you that they are biblical. They still could be happening if they are of the Spirit. But then the gift of miracles. The reason most of us don't see miracles anymore, we don't believe in them. 
We don't pray for them. We certainly don't expect them. But there is the gift of miracles. That's what he says right there in that passage. Not only is there the gift of miracles, but there's the gift of healings. And I know we see that gift shown on TV in ways that hurts and discredits the church of Christ with the way they can be presented where people just raise their hand and knock down half a crowd. But I'm going to tell you, just the other day, someone, he's sitting in here this morning. I don't want to share his name without permission. I should have asked before. I could have, baby. He come to me this week and said, Brother Marvin, I want to thank you. One day I told you that I've had cancer. I'm a cancer survivor. He said, I was passing blood. I was going to get a, um, what they call it when they check you. Um, but anyway, he was going to have a scope. That's what it was, a scope. He said, and I come told you, would you be praying for me? He said, and you prayed right then. I think we went in the kitchen, and I prayed over him. He told me, I went the next day. Not only did I not pass blood, there was no cancer. There was nothing, and to this day, he's cancer-free. I'm not saying I have the gift of healing. I'm not saying I have the gift of miracles, but I'm saying they happen, or why would you waste your time praying? Why would you read a Bible to believe in a miracle church, a miracle God, if you don't believe it's true? And the reason we don't see them is nobody expects to see them anymore. No one believes in them enough anymore, and they come by faith. So you know what God also does? He gives us people who have the gift of faith. Now, this is coming from Elmer Town's list of what the gifts are. Not only do you have the miraculous or the sign gifts, but you have the enabling gifts. The enabling gifts are the gift of discernment. Some people have a gift given by God to discern things, to see things that some of us don't. My wife has it a lot better. You know what she'll tell me sometimes after church? Now, I'm focused on my gift is to preach. My gift is to proclaim the word of God. But her gift is one of them is discernment. She'll say, did you see so-and-so? They wasn't themselves. Their face looked troubled. And boy, she's right most of the time. Most of the time when I think something, I discern, my discernment's not one of my gifts. But I'm going to tell you something here. Not only does he give some people the gift of discernment, he gives some people the gift of faith. I've met some people, son, if it was me, I'd have give up a long time ago. But they like the ever-ready buddy for Jesus, son. They don't give up. Their faith is unbelievable, like it's a gift that God gave them. That's a gift. But guys, I'm going to tell you, out of these gifts, the enabling gifts, the first one he lists, I believe is the most important, the gift of wisdom. You know, out of all the gifts, I'd rather have the gift of wisdom than the gift of tongues any day. But it's not my choice. The gift of tongues may make you look spiritual. It may make you appear spiritual to a lot of people who think that is spiritual. But the gift of wisdom will make you spiritual. The gift of wisdom will give you the truth of God. And then he gives us the gift of knowledge. Someone said knowledge is to know the things of God. Wisdom is to know how to use the things of God. That's gifts. But guys, listen, he gives us also the task-oriented gifts. And these will be revealed in this study. The evangelism. The task-oriented gifts, and we're going to look at these on Wednesday nights, and we're going to look and describe them, define them. Evangelism. Everyone should practice evangelism. We should all be soul winners. We should all be witnesses for Christ. But some of us have the gift of evangelism. The gift of prophecy. That's the gift of preaching and proclaiming God's word. The gift of teaching. The gift of exhortation. The gift of shepherding or leading. That's a gift. The gift of mercy. Some of us need that gift, amen? But listen, the gift of giving. Have you ever met somebody that they just love to give? They just bless, it's like God blessed them and they just bless others. 
and they're one of them that makes a living illustration of you can't outgive God. There's some people that they are given a gift to do that. And I used to, people would bless me because I'm the preacher and people do bless you. And I used to get uncomfortable and I'd say, oh no, I can't take that. Oh, no, no, but I got to thinking about it. If God put it in their heart to give it, I'm hurting them by not receiving that. Now, I always try to use it in a godly way. But guys, giving is a gift. The gift of administration. If someone don't know how to organize and take care of their own house, they surely don't be in a position in this house trying to take care of this house. Some of us have a gift. Now, I and my wife, we're a combo on our house, but Jesus ain't a combo. Jesus is the head or he ain't nothing. He tells everybody where he wants them to be. He gives each person what he wants them to do. And that is how God works in his house. Now, guys, if you was to take this spiritual gift test and you was to do it, it's going to give you a list based on a percentage of what your highest probability your gift is based on your answers. Now, guys, this is where people make a mistake. Answer them truthfully. You've been Baptist long enough, you've been in church long enough to know how they should be answered. But don't answer them based on how they should be answered them, based on how your life is operating right now. Don't say, well, I know I don't do that, but that's what I really would like to do. Because <laughs> you're going to base on it being, yes, this is really what I do, not very often. All the time, not very often. Based, answer it correctly, accurately truthfully and it'll show you a starting place on how to serve God and practice in the church with your spiritual gift friends this is something that I have seen make a difference in my life in her life and in other people's lives that know where God put them they're doing what God placed them to do and it makes a big difference now I want you to think about this if the church is filled with more people that have no idea what their gift is, they're totally unaware and ignorance, and they're not even desiring the best spiritual gifts, can that church ever be a church that is a champion for Christ, that is the body that God wants it to be, that will accomplish what he wants it? No, that church is handicapped from the start. And we teach people, if you come to our church, this is what we can do for you. But if you want to grow in Christ, it ain't what the church can do for you. It's what God has called you to do for his body, the church. And everybody in this body is important. Every one of us is just as much important. It's unity through diversity. And guys, it starts with knowing you're saved. If you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're born again, and the life of Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit at that moment gave you your gift what you do with it depends on how you live and what you see you see big john could have probably tried to do some things that some of us couldn't do jonathan could do some things that some of us couldn't do but if they didn't seek those things if they didn't exercise themselves toward those things they'll never accomplish it a pro basketball player in the nba is a one in million specimen. Only five get to play on the court at one time. And there ain't many of them that you can find. And they all, would you believe this or not, do y'all know what the average height is in the NBA is? Six, eight. 
Do you know what the shortest person average is? There are some people that made it, but it ain't many. But right now, the average smallest person is 6'4". And they usually play guard. 6'4 is the average smallest person, and 6'8 is the average biggest person. But do you know there's some of them that are 7 foot? But you know what? They didn't get to play NBA basketball just because they were big and tall. They got to be played NBA basketball because basketball was the most important thing in their life. And they shot every day, and they played every day, and they prepared every day, and they did everything they could to be the best basketball player they could in a very small, minute, get to be that. You know what? In church, some churches get to see revival. Some churches get to see a spiritual awakening and get to see a movement of God and get to see God do stuff in their midst that other churches don't get to see. Why? Because healthy churches see God's power. Unhealthy churches that are handicapped are just struggling to survive. We're limping around trying to, come on, Jesus, let's win America. Oh, oh, my hip went out. Oh, there went my hand. Oh, my eye's gone. And then we wonder why we ain't winning Jesus to America. Friends, I'm telling you, this is the real deal. I would not rest till I knew what my gift was if I didn't. It's that important in our life. And I hope that you'll go take this test and see what it does and shows you. And then from there, we'll let God lead him. Amen? Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. Father in heaven, I just want to pray this morning. Lord, my invitation is that they'll take this test if they don't know what their gift is, what their activity they're supposed to be involved in, and what ministry they're supposed to be serving. But Lord, if they do know what their ministry is, I'm praying they would find a place to use it, that they would be active for you, using the gift under your enabled power to do it. But Lord, for everybody else in here who doesn't know, I pray that they'll write that down, they'll go home, they'll take that test. I know they got a phone. I know they can do it. They'll find a way to hook up the things they want to look up on the Internet. And I pray that we'll be seeking you and asking you as our Lord, as the head of this church, to show us our place where we can serve you and see you work in our midst. Father, for the one that's not saved this morning, he doesn't know what this is about. He's saying, that preacher's crazy. He's read too much Bible. I pray that you would help him to be saved, that the things of the Spirit would be important to him, that they wouldn't seem like foolishness, but that if they came from the Word of God, they would seem like truth that he needs in his life. And Lord, for that person right now that needs to be saved, I pray that they would come this morning and just say, show me how to receive Christ. Because, Lord, I thank you that you died for us on the cross. You was buried and you rose again. And you was resurrected and you, and you ascended back to heaven. And as you went, you were seated at the right hand of the Father as the head of your church, the body of Christ. And that, Lord, you are placing people in the body where you want them, giving them spiritual gifts to do what you want them to do. And through all of that, you are being glorified in this world that's being evangelized and discipled for you. Lord, help us to be a biblical, healthy church, to not think about what we've always known, but to be willing to say, Lord, I desire to have the gifts that you give me. Help me to learn what they are. In Jesus' name, amen.